Chapter Eleven of Herb of Grace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Herb of Grace by Rosa Nuschet Carey. Chapter Eleven a little egotistical perhaps we always like those who admire us but do not always like those whom we admire la rochefort called trifles make perfection and perfection is no trifle michael angelo the bedrooms at the wood house opened on a wide corridor which extended the whole length of the house it was known by the name of the red gallery probably from the great stained-glass window through which the sunset glow filtered on summer evenings and reflected purple and crimson stains on the tessellated pavement of the hall below by some odd coincidence a figure of the thuringian queen saint elizabeth was the subject of the window something in the figure and the pose of the crowned head of the saint reminded malcolm of elizabeth templeton but the meek beauty of the upturned face resembled diana the gallery was carpeted and comfortably furnished with easy chairs and one or two oak settles the walls were covered with pictures on winter afternoons when a great beech log burnt cheerily in the fireplace it must have been a pleasant place for a twilight gossip before dressing for dinner as the family was small several of the bedrooms had never been used they were twelve in number and an artist friend of the sisters had suggested that each chamber should bear the name of a month of the year by a happy conceit which had greatly delighted them he had with his own hand not only illuminated the name but had with exquisite taste painted a spray of flowers that were typical of each month for example over elizabeth's door june hung a lovely cluster of crimson and white roses while diana who had appropriated september had a cluster of blackberries and traveller's joy when malcolm had taken possession of the guest room april he had gazed admiringly at a festoon of pink apple blossoms over his door but when he had praised the novel adornment with his wonted enthusiasm the sisters modestly disclaimed all credit it was not our idea observed elizabeth regretfully neither diana nor i had the genius to evolve it it was our friend mr leon power you will know his name his andomash was so much talked about last year of course everyone knows leon power returned malcolm quickly a friend of mine mr keston quite swears by him we know mr keston's pictures well observed diana in her placid way i hear he is to have mr logan's house for the summer and then we shall have the pleasure of making his acquaintance i assure you mr herrick 
that it was all mr power's idea he used to come down for a few days and paint a door at a time we loved to sit in the gallery and watch him you have no idea how it interested us when elizabeth still carrying her antique lamp passed swiftly down the gallery she paused as usual at her sister's door diana was sitting in a carved oak chair by the open window with a reading lamp beside her her evening dress was replaced by a white muslin wrapper which made her look younger than ever the red edges of the st thomas a campus that she had been reading was the only spot of color about her you are later than usual dear she said gently did you go all the way to rotherwood in this garb my dear child supposing i had met the vicar oh no we only walked to the usual trysting place well diana seating herself in a comfortable easy chair beside her what do you think of our new friend i was going to ask you that question returned her sister in a disappointed voice i did so want to know your opinion but you are so dreadfully quick betty of course i like him he is very gentlemanly and agreeable and i think clever oh i should say there was no doubt of his cleverness then diana brightened up as though she had received a personal compliment i am so glad you think so the society of a clever cultured man like mr herrick must be so good for cedric and then he is so pleasant and has so much to say on every subject and he has such original ideas really poor dear mr carlyon was quite cast into the shade this evening oh there i differ from you mr carlyon is original too and can hold his own with any one and elizabeth spoke with some warmth almost with asperity and her sister looked at her rather anxiously dear betty i meant no disparagement of mr carlyon he is such a favorite with all of us that we are not likely to undervalue him it struck me once or twice that he was not quite in his usual spirits he is a little worried about his father returned elizabeth he thinks theo does not look after him properly but we were talking about mr herrick were we not elizabeth was not quite herself something in diana's speech had ruffled her she was a little quick-tempered and impulsive but she soon recovered herself does it strike you di that mr herrick is quite aware of his own cleverness and that he rather prides himself on being original and out of the common oh i mean nothing unkind as diana looked rather grave at this i like him exceedingly i should be an ungrateful wretch if i did not she added to herself he is a good man i am sure of that and with a merry laugh i am also sure that to know him will be a liberal education though diana joined in the laugh 
she was evidently discomposed by your sister's observation i am afraid you think him conceited she said regretfully oh dear no a little egotistical perhaps i might even say a little opinionative but then we all have our faults and i fancy he will improve greatly on acquaintance when i know him better di i shall delight in arguing with him there is no use arguing with mr carlyon he always gives in to me at once but mr herrick would fight it out to the bitter end diana shook her head at this lukewarm praise elizabeth's opinion was of the utmost moment to her she relied on it with a simple faith that astonished strangers malcolm was right in suspecting that the younger sister was the moving spirit of the house elizabeth's vigorous mind her clear insight and strong common sense made her quick to judge and discriminate as diana knew she very seldom made a mistake in her opinion of a person diana's charitable nature was rather prone to overestimate her friends and acquaintances all her geese were swans as elizabeth often said when she cared for any one she simply could not see their faults if we were all blind as diana her sister would say the world would be a happier place but all the same she loved and revered the simple goodness and sweetness that by a divine alchemy transmuted base metal into gold elizabeth was quite aware why diana shook her head so disapprovingly cedric's hero had found favor in her eyes and she wished her other self for she so tenderly termed elizabeth to do homage to him likewise but elizabeth's gratitude and her wholesome liking were not disposed to hero worship mr herrick was very nice and a great acquisition and she was quite sure they would soon be good friends and as elizabeth always meant what she said diana felt tolerably satisfied with this verdict and now let me hear about mr carlyon betty she observed cheerfully i do hope his holiday was not spoiled by theo's shiftless ways oh as to that returned elizabeth impatiently theo will be theo to the end of her days it is a mystery to me how good people can be so aggravating her brother always declares that she is really a good woman i should certainly think he was right dear her goodness is rather microscopic then returned elizabeth dryly mr carlyon our mr carlyon you know told me that it fretted him sadly to see how his father's little comforts were neglected theo puts her periodical work before her home duties he said the meals were badly served and badly cooked that theo often came in late for dinner and took a hasty meal in her bonnet that in the evening there was no social itty his father wrote his sermons or buried himself in his books 
and theo worked at her accounts or dropped asleep from sheer fatigue on the couch poor mr carlyon he deserves a better daughter but theo has always been a restless bustling sort of mortal i suppose david we really must call him david between ourselves betty to distinguish him i suppose he will have his father as usual in august oh dear yes and mrs pratt will lead them both a life she always does i never saw such a woman i mean to give her a bit of my mind one of these days she is almost as trying as theo returned diana with a smile i think david gives in to her too much for the sake of peace so i often tell him i wish mr charrington would invite mr carlyon to the vicarage mrs finch is such a comfortable soul she thinks nothing a uh, trouble but i suppose such an idea would never enter the vicar's head oh dear no but after all it does not matter die nothing would induce mr carlyon to leave his son's roof i do not believe that any amount of creature comforts or learned conversations would tempt him away from his boy i think their affection for each other is one of the most touching things i know indeed it is betty and diana looked at her sister rather wistfully but elizabeth was too much engrossed with her subject to notice her david's attachment to his father is quite beautiful she went on but i cannot help wondering over it sometimes he seems as proud of that shabby mild-spoken little man as though he were a bishop in lawn sleeves and not a broken-down hard-working curate in charge who preaches dull dry little sermons but his life is his best sermon betty ah you are right there and elizabeth's beaming look was good to see david sometimes tells me that his father's patience with theo is almost angelic i don't know how he bears it he said once i am not particular about food myself and would dine cheerfully on bread and cheese any day but i hate a smoky chimney and dust and really that bridget of theirs is a terrible female and one of the worst specimens of a maid of all work that i ever knew i took to dusting the place myself but theo never noticed it well well it's a queer world di now it is late i am keeping you up and then the sisters kissed each other affectionately and elizabeth withdrew to her own room diana sat still in her chair and there was a thoughtful almost perplexed look on her face i wish i could understand it she said to herself but in some things betty is so reserved people who only know her a little would never find it out they persist that she is frankless itself but there are limits that no one can overstep even i dare not here diana paused but she knows very well that i should never ask her the question all the same 
a moment later i am sorely puzzled is it only a friendship between those two or is it something else on david carlyon's part once or twice i have seen him looking at her as a man only looks at one woman if i could venture to give her a hint to beg her to be careful elizabeth is so careless she has no idea of her own attractions and how irresistible she can be it is all very well for her to say she is older than david and that she takes a sisterly interest in him because theo is so unsatisfactory but there is no need to give him so much of her company oh no need at all and it will only make people talk and here the careful elder sister sighed as though she were oppressed with her responsibilities elizabeth is only thirty she went on why that is quite young nowadays and after all david is not more than three or four years younger it is not the age that matters or david's poverty for betty has plenty of money of her own but he is not good enough for her she is such a grand creature when she marries she ought to have a husband worthy of her one whom she could honor and obey as well as love a man of intellect and power had a name suddenly occurred to diana for as she rose hastily a girlish blush came to her cheek i am quite ashamed of myself she whispered if there is one thing or person i detest it is a matchmaker how could such an idea come to my head but whatever idea it was diana soon banished it and before long both the sisters were sleeping sweetly on their lavender-scented pillows malcolm saw little of his hostesses the next day elizabeth spent the greater part of the day at rotherwood and diana was busy with her household duties he and cedric played tennis the most of the morning then they lounged about the garden and woodlands in their flannels and chatted and smoked endless cigarettes and after luncheon cedric ordered out the dog cart and showed his friends some of the beauties of the surrounding neighborhood they drove back through rotherwood and as they turned the corner by the church they came upon mr carlyon malcolm did not recognize him at first in his straw hat until he hailed them in a cheery voice hello cedric are you going to cut me look here my dear fellow you and mr herrick must have some tea at my digging it is a few steps farther the mare looks hot why don't you put her up at the plough and let her have a feed and a rub-down and as cedric approved of this arrangement malcolm was obliged to acquiesce though he was inwardly bored by the delay they had been out for hours and he was rather weary of the lad's chatter some new acquaintances of the name of jacoby had been the subject of cedric's talk a brother and sister living in gresham gardens 
it was in vain that malcolm had repeated more than once that he knew nothing of them cedric would not take the hint and he held forth on the brother's cleverness and the sister's beauty to listen to the boy one might have thought the jacobs were much above the average human beings that there must be something idyllic angelic and altogether seraphic in their persons and dispositions but malcolm who knew his man discounted largely from this and kept his amusement and incredulity to himself but the name of jacoby palled on him at last and he was counting the milestones between him and the wood house rather anxiously when they saw mr carlyon standing on the curb with his straw hat very much tilted over his eyes no maiden lady of uncertain age loved her tea better than malcolm nevertheless the curate's invitation did not please him as he got down from the dog-cart he thought regretfully of the cool shady drawing-room at the wood house and the pretty tea-table with its silver urn and old-fashioned china cedric was so thoughtless of course his sisters would be expecting them carlyon seemed a pleasant fellow but he was not sure that he desired a closer acquaintance with them malcolm was inclined to be a little distant but neither of his companions seemed to notice it a low white cottage standing back in a shady little garden was their destination as mr carlyon unlatched the gate cedric said in an audible aside it is not washing day is it david i hope mother pratt has her kettle boiling for herrick and i are as thirsty as fish my dear fellow i have no idea and mr carlyon looked a little alarmed just look after mr herrick for a few minutes while i tackle the good lady i don't believe mrs pratt will bring the tea-things for another half-hour observed cedric cheerfully poor old davy it is awful hard lines for him to have such a landlady she imposes on him shamefully why does he put up with it returned malcolm dryly he was not in the humour to discuss mr carlyon's household arrangements the room into which cedric had ushered him was a very pleasant one it was rather low but a side window with a cushioned recess looked out on a small lawn with beautifully kept flower beds and long borders filled with old-fashioned herbaceous flowers where brown bees were humming in the sunshine mrs pratt evidently keeps a good gardener he said as he took note of the neatly shaven and carefully swept paths david is the gardener returned cedric laughing the garden is his hobby he is at work sometimes at six o'clock in the morning it is rather a good garden as you see but when david first came to the white cottage it was a perfect wilderness a lone widder woman cannot be expected to attend to a house and garden too he continued in a lackadaisical voice 
hallo davy what cheer my lad are the fates promptuous not exactly in a depressed tone i'm afraid it is washing day and that mrs pratt will keep us waiting i filled the kettle for myself but it has got to boil but if you don't mind waiting in a still more embarrassed manner what's the matter good friends observed a cheery voice can i be of any use and assistance i'm not afraid of a dozen mrs pratt's may i join your tea-party mr carlion i was just going to ask mrs finch for a cup but as i passed i saw cedric at the window and before any could answer elizabeth had advanced into the room with a smile that seemed to evoke responsive smiles on every face thank goodness bet exclaimed her brother devoutly we shall get along now oh yes we shall get along and elizabeth took off her hat and hastily smoothed her hair now for the pratt woman and tea all reward gentlemen and then she vanished and after a moment's hesitation mr carillon followed her End of chapter eleven recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC